There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. engine light on take the guesswork out of your check engine light with o'reilly veriscan it's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASC certified master technicians and if you need help we can recommend a shop for you ask for o'reilly veriscan today oh, 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 O'Reilly. auto parts Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 359. And today in the show, we are catching up with Dan Johnson on summer trail camera work, summer scouting, summer preparations for the season, and a little bit of fun in between. Alright, welcome to the Wired Hunt Podcast brought to you by Onyx. Today is one I've been looking forward to for weeks now. Um, we're going to talk about summer whitetail prep. We're going to talk about trail cameras and scouting and velvet bucks and all that good stuff. But that's the kind of thing, you know, you get to hear on a weekly basis on this podcast and other podcasts. But what you don't get to hear as often, especially anymore now that we're busy fathers and business owners and all this crazy stuff we got going on. What you don't get to hear as much is what I need more in my life. It's Dan Johnson and Mark <laughs> Kenyon talking about stupid stuff like peanut butter and kids and who knows what else. <laughs> Have we ever talked about peanut butter before? For sure. I'm pretty sure for some reason I'm thinking of some kind of weird kid story with peanut butter. Do you have a, Isn't there something like your kids were doing? With peanut butter, or maybe maybe I'm thinking of the dog food one, the one time you opened up a can of dog food and thought it was human food and ate it. That one maybe. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I can I can see that happening. I I really don't even question things anymore. <laughs> if someone told me, dude, you're a murderer, I'd be like, yeah, I probably did. It could you know, have like, happened. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what happened last week. So, <laughs> how are you, my friend? I'm good, dude. Just uh, sitting here with a nice glaze of sweat here in Iowa. It's hot it's humid it's normal and uh i don't know just uh living life i guess just living life you know it's funny we were, we were just talking before we started recording we've been doing this podcast for six years now or seven i mean the spring of 2014 so 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 so seven seasons now worth of the wiretown podcast and you've been on a ton of them yeah. um in all that time we, we've probably gotten a little smarter. Maybe we've gotten a little bit better deer hunting. We've, we've grown our families, but we're still doing some super hillbilly shit. Like I'm recording in my truck. You're recording <laughs> with like fans and AC units running in the background. 
We yeah. just no shirt on today. <laughs> no shirt on for dinner. No shirt on, dude. <laughs> I, I wish you. Could, I, I'm glad this isn't a video podcast, right? Oh, Where no. you can see me in my all my love that God has given me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm I'm recording in Idaho right now, so our place out here is so small that I can't record in the house when the kids are napping. So I'm in the truck. And then when I'm at home, I still have to do the same thing you do. I have to turn off my little mobile AC unit in my home office when it's super duper hot because that's too loud. So I usually record shirtless in Michigan too. So. <laughs> Maybe we should do a, a shirtless episode, man. <laughs> video video episode, shirtless. You know, I think that's the only thing that we haven't really we haven't done, done is done expose ourselves physically to our listeners. <laughs> that might be the straw that broke the camel's back. The dude <laughs> that we've been, we've been riding on, by, what, what do they say? Riding on, uh, buying, oh geez, riding on bot time, bot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought you were gonna help me out with that one. I don't. I don't have the words right now, dude. You're the guy who wrote a book. I can't barely talk. I, <laughs> <laughs> I yell at my kids. I I, t- I I'm yelling at my kids, and I don't even say their names right, so no one's looking at me. Everyone's ignoring me, and I just sound like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> so what's what's new with the kids? Because that's something we haven't got to catch up on in a while. Family, Dan Johnson family stories. Any crisis? Any crazy stuff? Any destroyed furniture? Um, mm. Anything good there? Well, it's nothing. I mean, there's literally a crazy story every single day in our house, but we've lost two remotes. So we had to buy a third one. So we get home from the store and then my two boys, they start fighting with each other. They're like wrestling hard. And then, you know, the wrestling turns into a fight. And then my oldest son picks my youngest son up and throws him against the chair (laughs) The chair breaks and what pops out? One of the remotes that's lost. Wow. So, so there's that. There's always I mean, a silver there, lining. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of feces stories. Um, I had feces stories. Oh, I love a good feces story. Well, ours is just, so we're out in Idaho. We're trying to do the whole hiking and still getting out in the wild with the kids. But Everett is two and a half now and yep. a little over two, I guess. And then Colt is five months old. Mm-hmm. So as you know, it just gets harder when you've got kids in those age ranges and we're still just, we're testing like, what can we do? What can we get away with? And so we decide, all right, we're going to go and do a longer hike than we usually try to do, get more elevation than usual. We're going to go kind of ascend this ridge way up above tree line. Um, in the Tetons and, but it was, it wasn't too long of a hike. It was still a reasonable distance, but you were kind of going up there. And I was, I was confident. I was telling Kylie, you know, it, they've been so good. We can do it. We won't have that too many issues. You just got to assume something little is going to go wrong. We'll roll with it. Um, well, we're getting up there. We get to the top. It's beautiful. We take a break. We're resting. And then all of a sudden, I think I'm trying to remember if this was before Colt, like Colt's riding in a chest pack on Kylie. Um, and then Everett, if he's not walking, he'll ride on in the backpack on my back. And so Colt, all of a sudden, just hear this enormous bowel movement, just rumbling, yep. thunder erupting. And usually you've got a little time, you know, usually it's like going to happen. You hear it and then it 
continues for five, ten seconds, and then you go find stuff, you find a diaper, you find wipes, and then you go and change them. Well, this was the sound was still emitting from his ass, and there's stuff squirting out all mm. over Kylie, and we're you know four miles or whatever it was away from the trailhead, and I think we only brought this is done. We only brought one extra diaper for each kid, and explode like explosion all over him, all over her. We deal with that. And then my son, we're still trying to get potty trained with him and stuff. Um, Son number one. We have the exact same thing happen with him. But instead of an explosion, we had just, I just had forgotten to check on him. And for whatever reason, I had been paying attention. And then we're walking around and I see he's pulled his shorts down. But his diaper is like a balloon that's sticking out over top of them. So his shorts are kind of riding just below his butt with his balloon diaper sticking out the back. And you can yep. see brown stuff. Oh, yeah. The and, double blowout is yeah, what man, I call that. The double blowout, miles from civilization, <laughs> not enough equipment at all, not enough wipes, no extra clothes. So we're riding, coming back down the hill. Like One kid's wearing shorts. One kid's wearing nothing. Uh, yep. He just... You just have to roll it. Wash <laughs> but we down, did it. We did it. in a crick. We, we, <laughs> we should have. We survived. We made it out. So I feel like that's been the name of the game for all the stuff we've been doing this summer. It's just survival. It's just like yeah. get through it and move on to the next thing. Yeah. That's all you can do in a scenario like that. Uh, because what's that? Uh, there's a famous quote uh, in the movie uh, Point Break. <laughs> where he, you know, where he's like, of course, all those famous wh- quotes from Point yeah. Break. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just like, uh, God, I'm going to screw it up. And I, I love that movie. It's like failure leads to hesitate or hesitation leads to fear and fear leads to death or something like that. And, uh, it's, uh, I got, I'm screwing this up. Someone's going to roast me for this, but, uh, um, fear causes hesitation and hesitation causes your worst nightmares to come true. That's what it is. There you go. So you can't, you can't hesitate in a scenario like that. You just gotta, you know, scoop the poop and go. Yeah, man. I was thinking we need to do another episode with you, myself and, uh, Andy Bradley. Remember we did that raising outdoor kids episode a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was thinking we should try to do one like every two years. Updated, update it, yeah, and see like what have we learned in the last two years? And that was almost exactly two years ago. So maybe the next one we do in a few weeks, we should try to do that because there's oh, yeah. so much kid stuff that I'm slowly figuring out now that I'm catching up to you a little bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's always an adventure, that's for sure. Trying to fact, trying to just get out in in doing the stuff you want to do still and finding some way to make it happen with the new constraints of parenthood is probably the biggest thing that yeah, I'm thinking about so much more now. It's going from like, I don't know, knowing the right stuff to do or doing like, am I doing enough of it? Now it's all just like efficient. How can I become more efficient? How can I get the minimum amount done in the minimum amount of time just so I can keep my head above water? Yeah. I got a, I got a little story for you. Um, how long did you go during the COVID you know, pandemic here that we're in. How long did you go without a haircut? Ah, uh, I went a pretty long time. I don't know, two months, two, two months. Okay. I'm trying to think, I don't know, two months, three months, something like that. Okay. So a quick story here. I'm, my wife is in the kitchen trying to cut max hair and she's not doing a very good job. I take the clippers <laughs> from her. I, I start going to town and <clears throat> crazy enough, 
it comes out looking like a professional haircut. Okay. So, so it, it, I mean, is, it is the good. crazy story that you're about to announce a new part-time job? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the crazy story is coming. So the second, uh, now it's Knox's turn a couple weeks later and you know, he's two, so he's going to move around a lot and it turned out great except for, you know, a couple, Hey, he moved type of situations. Yeah. yeah. So a month has passed time for Mac to get another haircut. Now I'm cocky, right? <laughs> <laughs> and long story short, Mac now has a mohawk. <laughs> uh, is I, I feel like Mac has been deserving of a mohawk. Like that seems like something he would rock on purpose. Oh, he's rocking it. It looks real good. Actually. Um, he, he flinched real hard with, and then the guard was pushed down back into the clippers and then I followed through with my stroke and it just took this big chunk right out of his head, like big <laughs> chunk of hair down to the one guard out. So there's not much you can do to fix that except give, you know, follow through just take it off. with full Hawk. I went yeah. full Hawk, spiked it up and now he looks, uh, he looks like a badass. I believe it. I believe it. Isn't that funny that that's the same kind of thing we've started doing is doing the self haircut. My wife has started doing the haircuts and you know, it's not perfect, but it's, it's kind of serviceable. Um, yeah, I could almost see myself just sticking with us. You just, it's good enough. I don't need it to be perfect. Uh, right. Save you the right. trip and some time and money, I guess in the future. Yep. So my, my wife came home and she took a look at it and, uh, she said, you're never cutting the kid's hair again. <laughs> I was hoping that she was going to let you have a free pass. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, nope. there's no free pass with that in my life. I got X'd. Uh, are you disappointed by that? Or are you glad to be uh, off the hook? It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It's just one less thing I have to do. Now, I, I think I should fail at other things more often. So my, her, her expectations of me can be much lower. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's the trick that a lot of us do, right? It's you do such a horrible job with the dishes or something that they're like, Oh, just let me do it. And they move on that. That's like, that's always a good strong move to play during household stuff, parent stuff. <laughs> I try. I try. Ah, oh, man, life. I lift. I, what am I trying to say here? I find myself needing what you needed so often years ago <laughs> where you would get on the phone with me for these podcasts and just be like, I need to talk about something other than right. Kids. What's going on? kind of craziness. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely where we're at right now. Um, okay. So I, my first, my first questions for you, cause we're going to talk about whitetails, right? Yeah. Okay. So my first question to you is you're out in Idaho right now. Do you have a designated designated trail camera checker who goes in while you're out there, checks the cams, and sends you back the intel? <laughs> I should, but no, I don't. No. Um, okay. In past years, I've set cameras before I take off and just let them sit, and then I come back in August and check them. Um, but this year, it was just such a cluster with so many different things going on, and you know, kids and everything. I just didn't put any cameras out at all. I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to put them in August when I get back. Cause I'm gone. You have August. no cameras out right now. I have zero cameras out. <clears throat> I know that almost like stings a little bit hearing I that. I don't like it either, Dan. <laughs> I don't like it either. Not but, even a soaker, no soakers out there. No, I should have soakers. That's on me. That's on me. But, but I'll tell you. And one of the things I, one of the things that I thought maybe would make sense to get into is 
those pictures that you get, you know, in June, July, especially June, July, not as much, but June really, that's just like a, I'm anxious to get pictures. I just want to see something for fun, but they don't do a whole lot for you. Like you can get away. There's nothing. Tell me if I'm wrong. Prove me wrong here. But I would say that I am losing no value whatsoever in not having cameras up until August. I can get everything I need as far as summer inventory in the month of August. And then, you know, it changes in September. But in August, at least, I get everything I need to know as far as full potential of what the bucks will be. I'll know every buck that was there in the summer. And I don't need to look at a half-grown buck and think to myself, is he going to be 120 or 130 or whatever, you know? Um, how, how far into August are we talking here? First day or two. Okay. First day or two. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, but man, there are still some deer that make these, these rounds. And I'm talking from, you know, where I hunt, where they may be there late July, mid July, disappear, maybe come back in September, disappear, and then they won't show back up until the rut. So it's, for me, it's all about knowing what is out there still like, Oh dude, he's back. He's back. But that's just, that's just me. Well, don't you put your cameras out often? Like at least in the past term or usually like early July. And then you do your first check in early August. Is that right? Well, I got mine out in June this year, June 1st. I, I was down there, dropped my kids off at the mom's had to go do a little, uh, work on the farm. I volunteered to help the landowner do some stuff. And while I was out there, I did some tree stand and trail camera stuff. So not this coming weekend, which is the 4th of July, but it would be the following weekend. I'm heading back down there, dropping the kids off at their grandparents, and I'm going to check some, some cameras. Do you have any, I mean, do you have any other intel from other people or from sightings in the winter or anything that tells you like you're expecting any certain bucks to have made it? Okay. So the only thing that gives me a, you know, there, there's a, there's a obvious, there's some obvious ones, right? That if things go well, Dork will uh, be there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> every dude, year for 15 years, he'd be 11 years old this year. That's insane. But didn't you That's, get a picture of him last year? Yeah. A couple, a couple pictures of him last year. Uh, and he looked, he looked healthy. I mean, he looked old, but he looked healthy. Um, and then obviously gnarly Charlie, I'd love to see him again. My He'd goodness. be a, like a six or seven year old, probably no seven year old this year. And then other than that, uh, I left a camera out all winter long, all spring long, you know, so the last time I checked it was the day before I shot my buck this year. And then I let it soak the entire spring and it gave out somewhere about, oh, late mid to late April, right? That's when and the was batteries. That, was that on purpose or did you forget about it? And then all, all of a sudden one day you're like, Oh man, there's <laughs> no, still that camera there. No, I, I felt c- confident in this spot. It's just real deep in the farm. It's hard to get to nobody. Nobody goes back there except the farmers when they plant and harvest. And that's about it. Um, cause I was going to say, those are the best surprises. I love it. When I, know. I forget a camera. And then all of a sudden I walk and I'm like, I didn't know this was here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew this one was here. I had it marked on Onyx, right? So I walk up to it, I throw it in my truck, get back home here, check it. And they're, oh man, late December. I'm going to have to say that this, this buck got displaced during shotgun season, but I had, and then I look, start looking through my, my pictures. Right. And I have three pictures of him coming through the farm on two different trail cameras. Well, 
three pictures on each camera. So a six, six total making this big loop through the farm. And then he came, let's say he, he came through one way, uh, after like during the second shotgun season, three days later, same trail right back across the Creek into the, uh, neighboring farm. And so I think I got one other picture of him in February and then all of a sudden I had this big buck kind of coming through back and forth kind of on a regular basis, but he had, he had dropped. So I'm not a hundred percent sure it was him or not, but he's an absolute giant, uh, nine pointer. I think he is with a split G2, just a crazy, like he's a, he's a giant. He's 170 as a nine pointer. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, and I had, to, I guess I'm at it five or older, but I mean, he's not, he's big and he came through the farm one time during the season and then one time looks like he was had been displaced from a shotgun so i think i know where he's living and what farm he's coming from it's just a matter if he's coming through the property during daylight which he's never done before really so okay well it's it's july when this comes out it's the time it's the season of dreaming Let's, yep. let's just dream. Hypothetically, let's say he rolled through your property last winter. He liked the looks of it. He realized that there wasn't another top dog that was going to steal the best bedding area or whatever. He decides he's going to shift over here and hang out. He's back for 2020. Yeah. He shows back up in September. Mm -hmm. You get your first look at him. What does he look like this year, Dan? If you had to guess, oh, so this is a this is a hypothetical. Yeah, this is a hypothetical. What do you what do you imagine he's going to look like this year? Because this can be like, I say, I say be by bl be blindly optimistic about it. <laughs> blindly optimistic. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. I'm going to average. I'm going to say he's going to pop into a ten because it looked like he had a little nub on the end of his, uh, you know, right between on the four point side, he had a little nub that looked like it could have even either been broken or it's going to pop into something. So I'm going to say he's a 10 pointer. Now, uh, he's going to still have the split, maybe a little junk around his bases. Now, hold uh, on. Does the, does the 10 points include the split or is he like a mainframe 10 with mainframe 10 with extra? So, okay. Technically 11 pointer 11, and more junk and maybe just some small junk, maybe not even scorable junk, but more junk on the bases and he'll probably be in the 175 to 180 as a 10. How deep is that split? Uh, it's not very, it's not very deep. Even it's this just, year? It, well, it may go a little <laughs> bit deeper this year, but it's not huge. I mean, okay. he'll be, uh, you know, I, I would be getting cocky here if I said it's a deep split. Mark. <laughs> okay. Well, he sounds so, pretty cool to me. He yeah. sounds pretty cool. Right. And I, I just, I just imagine him really like liking to rub cedars, right? Mm, yeah. He's a homebody. He doesn't like to wander off, but he'll fight for that first hot dough. Of course, no of problem course fighting. he would. Of course he would. What about the bases though? I just, I imagine if he's a cedar rubber, he's got to be one of those Coke can bases, right? With all that junk and stuff, right? You know, Mark, I've never been one to brag about the deer that I hypothetically create in my head. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm I'm guessing him to be just a little bit smaller than, you know, it, he, he's not going to have Coke cans. He's going to have maybe like Red Bull bases. That's 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 not bad. Not bad. 
I'm gonna smaller. I'm gonna assume it's the big Red Bull, not the tiny six ounces yeah. or whatever, the, the bigger Red Bull cans. And in that yeah. case, then yes, I support that hypothetical base measurement. Um, I, <laughs> I'm excited for the trail camera pictures <laughs> of this guy. Yeah. If somehow, yeah. if somehow you nailed it, I don't know how we can commemorate it or how we can celebrate it. But if this buck looks exactly like that, I don't know. I'm gonna be floored. Right. Right. And uh, I will defecate myself if i shoot a 180 <laughs> inch 10 pointer with a split heck yeah <laughs> oh man that's awesome i love one of my favorite things just like driving back and forth especially when i used to do more of like those ohio trips i used to do so often with Corey or josh when you're bored and it's like midnight and you're almost home and you're trying to think of something just to stay awake we'd always do these hypotheticals where we would do something like that like tell me about your hypothetical buck or would you rather shoot a drop tine or a split tine or would you yeah. rather this or this and just a stupid conversation like that was yeah. just what you need to get through that long drive. Yeah. I don't ever, I don't, I don't do the typical versus non-typical thing in my head. You know, if I, I don't even know, like for me, it doesn't matter. I don't care if they're typical or if they're non-typical, but what I like to do is exactly what we just did. And that is try to shoot, try to figure out what that deer is going to be like next year. Like if you say for, for me, it would be, all right. So I had a, a three and a half year old that I passed. What's he going to do this year? Is he just going to do the same, be the same and blow up? Because I have that 11 pointer that in the same tree, uh, in the same area that I got this big 170, I have, I now have, uh, that buck, that three year old that I passed. Yeah. Like early in the rut, right? Yeah. Right. Early in the rut, you know, he came right in and, you know, I was filming him straight down with my cell phone and I, I'm imagining what he turns into because he also made it through the, the shotgun season. Well, what, what so, I can't not ask now, what's he going to look like? Oh, geez, Mark, we're just going to ride this horse till it dies. <laughs> <laughs> Another hour of hypotheticals. Right, right. Okay. Let's see here. He's going to be the exact same tight racked buck with more mass. He's not going to be out past his ears. He's going to have more mass. And I'm going to guess he's going to have a couple five inch, five and a half, maybe even uh, a six inch mass measurement on, uh, some of his measurements, but he's also going to have maybe 10 to 11 inch G twos. And then they'll be slowly work their way down from there. That's a beautiful deer. I love yeah. a tight and tall buck like that. Pay attention here. Cause this is a hell of a good service. It's called the wellness company. Picture this. Okay. You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested. You got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options. Like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks or you open your medical emergency kit you match your symptoms to the doctor recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away these medical emergency kits not a first aid kit all right it comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. 
Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater and use promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Now, you and me, we've we've said a thousand times on our podcast, it's not all about the antlers. That's not what it is. But... It is still a cool thing. Like they are it's a cool. little bit about the antlers. It is right? cool. They are awesome critters yeah. to watch, and I don't know. You can't help but be fascinated by them. Um, can I? Wait. Can I do one? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's Tran, right? Yes, Tran. So, what did Tran look like this year, and what is he going to look like? Yep. This year. So Tran was just a tight and tall eight pointer. He had really long G twos and then shorter G threes. Um, and good brow tines, brow tines, something like five inch brow tines, maybe, maybe a little more than that on some of them or on one side. Um, and he had a little kicker coming off of his left side base about an inch long. So I'm looking at him right now. I thought, as you know, I found his match set, both of them sitting right next to each other in the cornfield. Um, he's going to stay a big eight, big mm-hmm. mainframe eight. His G2s, like I said, are both, like, I think I think one was 10 and one was 11 or 9.5 and 11, something like that. Both very, very long. I'm guessing those are going to just be foot-longers, 12 or 13-inch G2s, just daggers. But one of them was starting to blade out a little bit this year. So I think okay. they're both going to get, like, fully bladed. So, Ooh. like, 12-inch bladed G2s. Nice. His G3s are both going to get, like, really respectable, like, 5 or 6-inch really good g3s and then again he's got these tall brow tines that kind of curl out a little bit so i'm going to say they're just going to grow maybe another inch each so let's say six to seven inch brow tines but that little sticker on the base he's going to match on the other side so he's going to have these kind of unicorn points from the bases one on each side about two inches long so if i were to see this buck for the first time ever i might jump to uh cliche name like hook or something okay (laughs) okay uh in good 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 uh good mass i say it's kind of average mass this past year and i think he'll kind of continue with that so in 2020 you know he was just over 125 last year uh he looked bigger than that but that was what he he scored out to be for whatever that's worth i'm gonna put him as like 140 ish eight pointer this year 
Uh, maybe a little bigger than that with those G2s. I don't know. Okay. I thought maybe with your imagination, you would have thrown like, uh, oh, well, maybe late in the season he was wounded, and it's going to cause him to grow a 12-inch drop time. <laughs> See, I thought I, was, I thought I was pushing my luck with the bladed G2s. <laughs> I don't know, man. If that if a buck like that is running around, that's going to be enough to make me lose my mind. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see these tra- summer trail camera pictures. And and the cool thing is that the property that that buck is on has beans again on it, and it has had beans on it. It usually you know usually flip flops, but last year because of the wonky spring, you know how what was it really dry? I think why was it that everything gotten so late? I'm trying to remember. It was it was drought, right? Yeah, I think. Or was it too wet? Why can't I remember this? You mean last year? Yeah, last year. Remember, all the no one got their crops in on time, and everything was yeah, all messed well, up. Well, I think it was. I think it was uh, July. We went through a kind of a drought, and then September and October got wet. Yeah, this shows you how much I, mental damage I've gotten over the years with kids. Point yeah. being. They didn't plant the fields like they usually do last year, so they actually split the farm up. Half the farm was corn, half the farm was beans instead of the whole thing. So this would be my third year in a row now with beans on some portion of the farm, which just makes for that really cool summer viewing. So I'm hoping I'll get my third summer in a row that I can watch him, which is just a lot of fun to be able to do that. And uh, you know how that is. That's, that's just a fun thing this time of year. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm just, uh, it's the trail camera thing, right? I mean, for me, this year is going to be about trail cameras and, and, and basically just sitting and waiting because if I get a, if I get a summer pick of gnarly Charlie, it's going to dictate a lot of what I do. I'm going to be able to cut the farm in half. I'm probably going to ignore it. And then I'm going to just focus on the routes that he's been running for the past couple of years and put myself in the best possible position for him. Okay. So you're, you, you believe that the Intel you got last year, I know last summer we had a podcast just like this, almost the exact yeah. same time when you said yeah. that you were creating your Dan Johnson points on the map, connect the dots between the trail cameras strategy. And yep. so you did that, you crossed off half the farm and then last fall you started hunting that zone and then you had your first sighting of him. Yep. Um, that takes us to now this year. So if you get the confirmation, he's alive, he made it, then you cross off that map again, the part that he wasn't on, but what mm-hmm. different, like how have you tightened the noose anymore since last November when you saw him? Uh, yeah, I mean, are you going to do like the circle of cameras in that area and keep on adjusting or what there? Yep. So what I'll, what I'll do is I will cut the farm in half, really focus on, you know, cause I put more cameras in that area this year. So I have more Intel this, this past year on him than I did the previous year. So it's just more of the routes that he's taking and I'm putting myself in, in just continuing to shrink down that area and hopes hopefully find the doe group that's working its way through the area and pulls him through. Or I, I I still don't think he's betting on my property that I have access to. I think he's coming from a different property and, but it's really close. It's really close. I just have to try to find where he's coming. You know, I, I think he's traveling a long way in in a day. 
going from where he feels comfortable in the, in his bedding area on a different farm, coming through the properties that I have access to and making it like being nocturnal there. And then kind of coming, working his way back is, is what I'm thinking he's doing or what he'll do is he'll come through for like a three day cycle. He'll work the farm for three days and then two days maybe, and then go back. So is there anything you can do right now or, you know, over the next two months to prepare for that? Like, are you going to, I don't know, are you doing anything different with your summer trail cameras that you use, than you usually do to, to confirm his presence or is it kind of the standard approach that you take? Yeah, it's a standard approach because like I've said a million times, the September shift hits and things just shut off. Right. And then it isn't until, so I guess the, the, not last year, but the previous two years, he didn't show up in the farm until late October. Well, this year I added a couple trail cameras, right? So I don't, I don't have any Intel until I get a trail camera picture of him. And then, so, so the additional trail cameras that I added caught him early October, like October 3rd, middle of the night, October 17th, broad daylight, middle of the day. So I think he got bumped. Right. And, and then he started making his rounds late October, uh, the 29th. So he's around. And I, the only, the only reason I think that one was a daylight is because I don't know, farm, farming activities or, you know, a dog running through the woods or somebody else, you know, running through the woods. Yeah. Don't know, but yeah. Have you, have you considered trying to see him in the summer and the evenings at all to see confirmed presence, like glassing on your property or neighboring properties or anything like that? Yeah. It just, this year it's tough because I would have to go through a cornfield to get to the bean field and I really don't want to bump him. And if what I'm thinking is right, if I'm thinking he's coming off of another property, he's not getting to the bean field until after dark anyway. Gotcha. So, yeah. What about you? Have you been thinking about strategy with, with uh, Tran? I have. Um, I think my, my dilemma with that one is, is two things. I've got two competing pressures. I've got one thing being that there's a, an increasing number of people that I know that are hunting that deer. I guess, or, or like deer in the area, like the deer I could hunt are also now on the radar of other people who I'm hearing from who are also like serious hunters. So there's just more competition from people that kind of know what they're doing. And maybe mm -hmm. that was happening before and I just didn't know it. But now that I know it, there's this new sense of, ah, crap, if I don't get them, such and such will, you know? Um, so that's telling me hunt earlier, take it, try to, try to get it done sooner than later. Um, but then on the other side, I have, you know, last year's observations and trail camera data, which other than opening day, I didn't get any daylight pictures or sightings of him all the way until Halloween. So I got no daylight confirmation of him all through October. Um, the year previous to that, I did have October daylight movement. Last year, no October movement. And then once Halloween hit, though, he was very active for um, 
you know, most of November and then a little bit in December too. So yeah. that tells me, eh, play it safe, wait till late October and then hit it hard then. On the flip side, though, another reason why I should maybe be more aggressive early is that I've got a really packed slate of back 40 hunts that I'm going to be, you know, on that property for that's going to keep me from the tram property for a lot of the good stuff in November. So, so that said, I'm a little bit up in the air, but I'm probably going to be probably going to be more aggressive. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the stab early. And then I'm going to probably push a little bit more here and there in October when the when the conditions are right. I think the one thing, like, I've started hunting a little bit more in mid-October than I used to for a while early on there, um, but was pretty careful. Again, we you know the story, listeners know the story of this particular property. Small, a lot of field edges, can't get into too much of the bedding areas. But there's a couple spots that I think I can push in a little further than I used to. It might just be 30 yards further in 40 yards further in um but i started to get a little more confidence in my ability to do that without spooking him i've confirmed one or two other spots that i'm pretty sure there are bucks bedded um deeper in the core of one of these locations where i was worried they might be some of them might be a little bit closer to the edge that would keep me from being able to get in there safely i think with some scouting i did this winter I, I found two buck beds that could very well be his on occasion um that are on the property i can hunt I know he spends a lot of time in the neighbors, but he must be on mine some of the time. And I think I found one of those spots possibly. Um, so I might take a stab in there and I don't know. I'm, I'm a little less paranoid than I used to be about taking a swing, you know, a couple times in October like that and go for it and maybe blow it up. But I, I think I've been coming back to both what I've seen and a lot of other people tell you is that these Mature bucks, they get big and mature for a reason. They found a spot. They feel safe. If you don't bug them over and over and over, you know, you can get away with maybe one of those aggressive moves every once in a while. So, right. I don't know. That's a pretty vague way of describing it because I'm still unsure. I don't have like a annual pattern that is going to be like, oh, definitely got to do that. You know, in 2018... I got daylight activity of him in mid-October. I think like the 12th, 13th, or 14th, there was a cold front that hit. So I tried going back in around that time period this year. Didn't see him. Didn't get any daylight pictures of him or anything. Um, So there's not anything super solid like that I'm going to be working on. It's going to be more so make some adjustments on the fly. Be more mobile. I'm not adding any more permanent sets anymore. I'm just going to run and go in my saddle. Uh, just trying to get more quiet, more efficient with that. So I can move in and out and, and just kind of get better at all those little things. That's another thing I'm trying to improve on this year. But, um, what about his routine compared to what Holyfield was doing? Any similarities? Very similar. Very similar. Yeah. There's, there's this neighboring property that has, is, is tough to get into for the person that hunts over there and this section that they get into just like lots and lots of thick brush it's there's always a good buck the beds in there and so it was holy field for a number of years and i could see him in there because from my side i could see into that stuff but i just can't hunt it and so holy field kind of come in and out of that and every once in a while he'd bump over into my stuff every once in a while he'd come pass through a bedding area that is on my stuff and once holy field disappeared that 
you know, that very next year, Tran was there. And now last year and the year before, basically doing the same thing. So I've seen him kind of move in and out. And, you know, the times, it's interesting. The closest I ever came, let me think about this. I passed on Holyfield once, and that was the very closest I could have come to shooting him, I guess. But the second closest, let me make sure I don't have this stuff wrong. With a bow, I, I was closer to Holyfield with a bow. Well, you know the story. This is the time that I was, it was the rut, it was midday, and I was... You were on your phone. I was reading a book on my phone because I was bored, and then I hear a snap, and I turn around Holyfield standing 25 yards behind me. So from that exact same tree, so that I, I could have killed Holyfield from that tree if I was paying attention, from that exact same tree is the closest I came to Tran as well. In the rut, Tran was with a doe in this little thicket right next to that tree, and I couldn't get a shot at him. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm identifying a couple of these weak spots where they're going to come in every once in a while during the rut, but there's no like clear cut. He's going to come from that bedding area and come into mine every other day or once a week or every night or something like that. It's, it's much more random, but it's, I know they're going to, they're going to bump over every once in a while, but despite all my studying, despite all my long distance observation, I've yet to be able to pin it down to, you know. I guarantee they're going to come out this way, or I think that that's going to happen for sure. So it's more so of how do you get into those weak spots enough times without blowing things up so that the one out of four times that he comes through, you're there and you haven't messed it up yet. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird spot to hunt. I'm putting more of my eggs in the basket during the rut there, I think, than I used to because like last year, you know, we talked about I passed on several really nice bucks back in those bedding areas. Like I've, I figured out the the rut there. Now you hunt these back bedding areas that are hard to get to, but you just get in there super early and stay all day. And these bucks are going to check those. Um, so if, if I can make it to that, you know, early November and I still haven't killed them, that's a pretty good way. If I put in my time, they're going to come cruising through there. Um, I could have killed that big 10 pointer a couple times. I could have killed a big nine back there a couple times last year. So, I don't know. It's a limiting little spot, but there's opportunities. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it'll be more of the same frustrating stories. Oh, I saw him, couldn't get a shot. Oh, I saw him, couldn't get a shot. And we'll talk about it for three months and then be stuck talking yeah. about the same deer for five years. Yeah. And I, and I think <laughs> the cool thing is, is I'm, I'm doing something similar. I have like two tree stands right now, pre-hung. And I think that's the only, only pre-hanging I'm going to do. Excuse me. Three. And I say, I say two because one is not going to be where I hunt probably this year. If I'll tell you this, if gnarly is alive, I probably won't even hunt that stand. But if he is alive, I have two, one is already up in a bedding area. I cannot wait to get in there for the first time. There was a, a mature buck in there the first time I went in and hunted it and then and then I have a pinch point stand set up. But other than that, it's going to be different tree every day. I just know it, uh, trying to find out where this guy's coming in and out. And, uh, I just, I hope it all, I hope, I hope all the, the data stays true Yeah. and I can continue to, you know, and I, and I have these encounters because what was it? No encounters with him the first two years or the first three years. Last this year, uh, excuse me, first, first two years this year had encounter. 
he's on the, he was on like this little spur Ridge when I saw him. And, uh, so I'm going to be uh, over there more this year on specific wins. And, uh, that's the goal, man, is just to keep tightening the noose. No, it's a lot of fun. I love like yeah. having a spot you know and a buck you know, and you're rummaging through all the data and tightening the noose and trying to figure it all out. But the other thing that's a lot of fun is trying to find out and learn a brand new area. Um, oh, yeah. And I saw you were doing a bunch of scouting on some public land recently, talking about yes. river bottom stuff and trying to figure out this yep. new zone. What was the story over there? Well, um, <laughs> It was awesome. I mean, I love getting out there and scouting. I love putting in the work, but right now it's underwater. So, you know, how optimistic am I that this area is going to recover, you know, closer to October is going to be interesting. But I went back there, I did some scouting and I had a bit of a dilemma, right? I, I get out there and I'm on, I am on uh, public ground. And I'm way back in there. I mean, I'm like two miles back from the parking lot and, you know, I'm, I'm finding all this great sign, finding these trails where it's like high ground in between two marshes, right? These, these little bottlenecks marking my spot, following the river and just doing all this awesome scouting. And then I come up against some tree, I find some tree stands, which it's illegal in Iowa to have tree stands on public all year round, right? You have, you can only put them up like five or seven days before the season starts. And you can, you have to have them down, I think 30 days after the season's over or something yes. like that, which I'm not going to rat that out. Right. I, I'm not going to go and, and, and turn that in. I, you know, I, I guess I, I'm not that guy, but the guy, the guy had since planted a food plot. So he's, he's coming back this far on a boat, he is, that's how he's accessing this tree stand and he's got a trail camera there and he's got a food plot now on public land, so on public land. This person planted a food plot and you're sure this is public land. This isn't some guy's back. <laughs> no, 100% sure it's public land. And I, I said, okay, I'm just going to keep walking. Not going to bother with this, but it just kept stewing in my head. Like this dude came in and he planted a food plot on public land. Like I can't do that. Dude. Right. Guaranteed. If this guy is crazy enough about whitetails to take a boat into this public land, to have a trail cam running in the summer and to have a food plot to publicly or to plant a food plot in public land, you know, he, he listens to this podcast. And so he's listening right now. So what do you want to tell him? Well, uh, don't cheat. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, dude. Don't, yeah, don't cheat. And so I, I had this dilemma, right? I was like, should I turn this guy in? And I posted a questionnaire on Instagram, you know, or a poll, you know, should I turn him in? Should I turn him in? 70% of people said I should turn him in and 30% said I should just ignore it. And there was like 600 people who did that. So whatever, whatever those numbers are, you know, 70% thought I should turn it in. The other 70 or the other uh, 30% said I should just ignore it and keep walking. Here's the other, here's the other alternative, Dan. Yeah. Just hunt the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and well, Hey, and that's the thing, like the, Public land. so I, yeah, so that's, so I go, I don't have a boat though, so I can't access it the same way that he is. However, 
so I, I go to, I go to the, the DNR and I eventually point out a map. I said, there is a food plot right here. They don't, they don't like spray it. They're not going to go and spray it. And I said, so is that like area legal to hunt now? Or do I, do I have to stay away from that? And he never, he didn't really give me an answer. So I'm going to follow up. Well, right now it's all underwater. It will all die. It's going to die. So it's not a big deal. I mean, it's all just, so I, I hunt the, all this public land is basically high water runoff area. So when they like right now, they'll raise the, the dam. So there could be more boating traffic for the holiday weekends. And then after that, they'll lower it down a little bit. And so then that water should recede, but I don't know, man, I just felt, you know, I felt like a rat, but at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. So, (laughs) Hey man, I get it. I totally get it. It's frustrating when you see people abuse the, you know, now that's a kind of weird thing because you could, someone could say he's trying to improve it, but he's improving in like a selfish way. Um, I mean, it was, uh, it was a, a setup. It wasn't like a plot and in, on this public land, the DNR plants food for these deer. So there's cornfields, there's bean fields, there's, uh, alfalfa fields. I mean, they, these, these deer have enough to eat. So I, I probably would have walked right by it if I didn't stop and see this guy's tree stand. I mean, it was this luscious clover plot about uh, half an acre of it just right maybe a little smaller than half acre yeah so here's the question was it a good setup like did he set up on it well did he think about wind and it sounds like decent access if he's taking the boat but yeah was it approved is it dan johnson approved as far as far as the smart set well i mean it it would let's let's just say what he did was illegal i would i would have given it a shot on a northwest wind that he he set up kind of right on the curve of the river, so his wind would have been blowing right into the river and following it down. So it would have turned out, you know, it would have turned out interact like I don't know deer. There was a heavy trail near it. I mean, it was uh, it was a decent spot, and with that clover there, I can just see it su- sucking deer in. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, he he probably listens to Nine Finger Chronicles too. Yeah. He had this whole plan in place. I'm going to get my house burnt down now or <laughs> graffitied. Rat. Uh-huh. Um, I love that river bottom stuff though. It's that oh, is dude. awesome country. Yeah. That's where I cut my teeth on on hunting, man. Everything I did back in the day was river bottom ground. Uh learning how to hunt uh like not necessarily river bottom, but you know like river system, creek system, flatland uh, in between the ag and, and the waterway. And that's where, that's where I did a lot of my hunting growing up until I started moving up into the ags and, and the finger. But you know, that's where I cut my teeth, turkey hunting. That's where I cut my teeth, uh, deer hunting and, uh, being able to go back and scout this public land and put a little bit of effort into it. Uh, it was really fun. I believe it. I wanted to go do some of that stuff the other day. I've got an Idaho whitetail tag here and I found a bunch of public land on Onyx and I went and did my first deer drive out here and had my heart broken. Just like everything that looked possible on the map ended up being inaccessible 
or just way less appealing than I thought it was going to look. I saw almost no deer. There was not a single spot I went to that I circled as a spot I would come back to and hunt. Um, so I'm, I'm right now without a single plan for my Idaho tag right now. Uh, and you didn't, you didn't get a Montana tag this year. Yeah. You didn't draw. That's correct. Okay. So yeah, some brand new state, brand new area have no real Intel at all other than a few little, Oh yeah, there's white tails out there. Um, and a couple pictures of people that have shot some that to kind of prove it. So over these next few weeks, I've got to do some serious driving. Um, there's an area about an hour, hour and a half from where I'm at. That's supposed to be pretty good, uh, where there seems to be a lot of public land. Um, but that's, you know, it's kind of a hike. I'd, I'd would have been nicer to have a place close to where I am, but a little disappointed by that, which speaking of, I don't, I don't, we, well, we haven't, we haven't really talked about this, but I did a thing, Dan. Um, I did a thing, which is why I'm hunting whitetails in Idaho, which is we had to upgrade from a camper. We couldn't do the whole sleeping in a 20 foot camper with two kids and two dogs. Um, so I bought a little cabin in Idaho. Nice. So yeah, we've got like a permanent base of operations out here now. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm going to try to figure out this Idaho whitetail thing because it'd be really nice to have something close to where we're at here. Um, got an elk tag, so I'm going to try to explore what the elk opportunities are here. But uh, if the whitetail thing doesn't pan out, I'm selling this piece of shit real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options, like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, it's not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash eater and use promo code MEATEATER. That's promo code MEATEATER at urgentcarekit.com slash eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via 
convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I thought you would be uh, buying something in Montana. Well, I, I mean, for a long time we were trying. I've been, gosh, probably, I don't know, three, four years now. I, we've been looking, looking and looking and looking. The, the trick is that we need something really cheap. Cause I, you know, we have, we have our house in Michigan, so I needed something that was affordable, but also would be big enough to fit the family. And the biggest thing for me was I wanted like good access. If I was going to buy a place out here, I didn't want to be in town. I didn't want to be surrounded by people. Like the reason why I come out here is because I like to be away from people. So for years we were looking at things and it was never, you know, it was never the right fit. Was that either too expensive or it just wasn't what we wanted. Um, so I figured there's no rush. Might as well just wait um, until the right thing comes along. And then this past year, we decided, well, maybe we need to expand our search outside of the Bozeman, Montana area that we were looking because that's just like crazy, crazy expensive. Like little oh, tiny yeah. things are just tons of money. Um, and I, was, I wasn't going to buy a tiny, like a tiny, tiny thing there that costs like four times more than my full-size house in Michigan. Yeah. Um, so we thought, all right, well, let's expand the radius and look at a couple of the other areas in that like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho zone that we usually go to. And um, long story short, found a little place that's right on the edge of the national forest that's less than two and a half miles from four different really great trout rivers. Um, I can walk to the public land. I can, you know, I could walk 45 miles straight without hitting a paved road and end up in a national park if I wanted. Um, so super cool from all the kind of stuff we like to do out here. So decided awesome. take the leap. I've been saving up for a lot of years to try to do something like this someday and finally found something that wasn't gonna, you know, was going to allow us to do the things we want to do. So absolutely. Here man. We are. It's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad your wildest dreams have come true. Mark Kenyon. Oh, I appreciate that, Dan. Um, I've been dreaming of poopy diapers and sitting in my truck and all of these things that the, the much less glamorous reality of it, but it is, yeah. uh, it's cool. It's got, it's interesting though, because there's, there's just, there's a little like living space, like your kitchen living area. And then there's one single bedroom. And so the bedroom is where we're putting our son. And then once Colton's old enough, we'll put both of them in there. But that means my wife and I have to sleep in the living room and we ordered a couch, like a pullout couch that you could turn into a bed, you know? Yeah. After we place the order and you can't cancel the order, it gave us like a back order notification. So we're not getting it for, well, we've been out here for a month now. We're not going to get it for another couple of weeks. So we've been sleeping on the previous owner's two couches <laughs> for the last four weeks uh, waiting to get a pullout bed. So, yeah, you know, you make it work, right? Yeah. You can make anything work, man. You can make anything work. Yeah. So wait. Okay. So whitetail. Idaho, elk, Idaho, right? Yep. Whitetail, Michigan, and did you get Iowa this year or not? No, no, just no Iowa. No Iowa, just because 
there's so much back 40 stuff that I've got to be around for. I just wouldn't be able to get enough time. I think I'm going to try to do a little mid-October jaunt, maybe to Nebraska. I'm still kind of up in the air on that, but possibly public land hunt somewhere mid-October. And then, um, you know, for I don't know how long I've been talking about wanting to do this December track a buck down the snow hunt. Yep. I've made no progress on planning that yet, but I still want to try to do it. So gotcha. if you want gotcha. to come out to New York or Maine in early December, let me know. Yeah, man, I've interviewed uh, some people from Maine and New York and Vermont, and uh, I think uh, I'll just stick with Michigan Dude, doesn't this year. That, doesn't that sound cool, though? Yeah, I mean, yes, that sounds that sounds awesome, but uh, I don't know. I, it's not Iowa. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, why don't I do it? In, why don't you do it in like North Dakota? Or I mean, yes, or there's cool northern, things out there. Yeah, I don't know. But it's just like the, just cult, this, the cultural thing. You go out there, it's like the big woods, lots yeah. of snow, follow a big track for five miles, come over yeah. the hillside, there he is. He's got a dusting of snow on his back. His nose mm. is big and broad. And yeah. that, you know that, that Roman nose. Mm-hmm. And he's got like three little nubbins on each antler, but he's a big-bodied buck. <laughs> 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 That's the hunt I want. Right, right. I I can't get mule deer out of my head right now. I know. That's dude. I'm so jacked about this upcoming hunt. I mean, we we figured it out the first year, and if if it's as half as crazy as it was last year, man, we're in business again. So I all I've the, been doing is is just tweaking my gear my gear list. I got some new packs. I got um uh some more you know some different equipment. I need to buy a new pair of boots. Uh, a new water filter. So I'm looking at all that stuff right now. And then I'm still like in the process of planning out 2020. I'm I'm thinking that far ahead, man. So we are in 2020, 2021. I met my bad. <laughs> um, are you giving enough mental time to Michigan in 2020? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I gotta come, right? You do, so, you do have so, to. Yeah. yeah, that's not the kind of excitement <laughs> I was looking for. Well, I gotta well, do it. <laughs> well, the, the the shitty thing about this is, is that we have got we've gotten this survey back from the school that says, you know, here are three options. What is your comfort level with COVID? You know, with COVID nineteen, and you know how you you know feel that you know your kids you know, do you feel, so me personally, I am okay with my kids going back to school full time, riding the bus, going back amongst their regularly scheduled programming. Right. But the others, the other, uh, options were like 50, 50, like your kid goes back a couple days a week and then it's on a rotation. So a day off, a day on day off, day on, whatever. And then the, and then the other days, you would be, the parent would be required to run through the curriculum with them at home. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I'm number one, I have no patience. Number two, I'm not a teacher and I'm busy, right? I I have other kids to like, I got my youngest kid to take care of. So while I'm doing that, I'm going to have to put him in front of cartoons or feed him just so he's quiet. And then the other option is full time uh, at home curriculum to start the year out with. And I just, I just hope that they bring the kids back to school full time or I'm in trouble. Like me and the wife are, are 
gonna like from a from a job standpoint and the time we need to give to the jobs we're gonna be we're gonna kind of be in trouble so okay yeah i, I hear you but let's look at the silver lining here okay yeah. what there's like 11 million white-tailed deer hunters in the country give or take mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark there are something like 300 and what is it 320 million total people in the country right something like that right. All right, and how many, what percentage of that 320 million do you think are parents? I'm going to say, I don't know, 50%, 60%, okay. something like that maybe. So you're looking at over 100, 150, 170, 180 million parents out there. That's the target audience for the new version of Nine Finger Chronicles, which is all about <laughs> training your kids at home. It's all about teaching your kids at home. So you've got a much bigger pool of potential audience members than your 11 million deer hunters. Right. All you got to do, just pivot. Just pivot, man. Straight pivot. Quit talking. (laughs) Quit talking about deer and start talking about how much of a shitty father I am. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm recommending. (laughs) You know, from one friend to another, try it. Trust me. Okay. Yeah, I'll do it. Let me just talk to my sponsors and ask them first. Hey, hey, uh, you care if I stop talking about deer hunting? And hey, this, uh, you know, I just want to say, and my name is Dan Johnson. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles brought to you by Lone Wolf Tree Stands. And on this episode, we're going to talk about what you can do to keep your child occupied while you're teaching the other child. But first. I just don't, I but, don't see that flow, that flow. But first, an advertisement from Gerber Baby Foods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, right. there's opportunity. Um, right. I think on that note, it's time for our next segment dan what's the next segment mark call further and see if he'll answer oh shit we're doing that again <laughs> why not let's do it <laughs> uh now i'll be very disappointed if he doesn't pick up because it was such a great surprise last time when he did um so i, I say, think of a question to ask him yeah and and second question is if he doesn't answer we can leave a voicemail still yeah what county does he live in in Michigan, do you know? Uh, I don't know if I should say that publicly or not. I don't know. Uh, honestly, I'm not quite sure. Um, well, I'll leave him a message. Yeah, east side, east side of Michigan, <laughs> whatever. Doesn't matter. That you don't. I don't need the. I don't need the county. I don't need the county. Yeah, sound like some kind of authoritative figure. He's in trouble. Got for it. Maybe maybe it's Michigan IRS. Maybe it's the IRS. Just federal government. Could be taxes. I don't know. Let's call him. See what Wild happens. Game violations. That's all possible. Let's see. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> this is a thing. This is a thing now. Let's well, call further. It's absolutely a thing. Is it working? I can't hear it ring. All right. Hold on. How cool would it be to have a podcast where all we do is prank call further? I, it's, like, <laughs> it's a spinoff. <laughs> that would probably be a lot more successful than this one. <laughs> he already hates you. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, God. All right. I don't know why I can't get this to work, but hang with me here. There we go. All right. Add. Are you still there, Dan? I'm still here. I don't know if it's dialing yet. Josh, you there? Hello? Hello, hello? I don't see anything on my end. Oh, it's saying two of three in the call. So it looks like it's ringing. But it's not. He hasn't added. He just texted me and said he's on the phone. Ah, uh, what an ass! All right, well, let's leave Don't him you... out. Hold on, we got one alternative here still. <laughs> 
this is the part where if you got to go take a poop or pee, then you go do it and then get come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got one more opportunity here. We're going to go with the phone number instead of Skype. And he may be on the phone, but we can still leave a voicemail to annoy him. Yeah, I know. I, I love how it. Okay, since this is Skype, is it going to show up as unavailable? I'm not sure about that, to tell you the truth. You know, they say in broadcasting, dead air isn't good, Mark. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't <laughs> riveting. This isn't riveting audio. <laughs> no, dude, I, I guarantee you, you mark this time down on your podcast. You've reached Josh Hilliard, oh, regional yes. director with the QDMA. Can't laugh, I'm unable Mark. to take your call at the moment. Please leave a message with your name and number, and I'll be sure to return your call as soon as possible. Thank you, and have a good day. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Yeah, uh, Mr. Hilliard, this is Officer Randall with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, and we have a couple questions we need to ask you about where you were at and what you were doing June 25th, 19, excuse me, 2020. Go ahead and give us a call at, you know the number. Uh, <laughs> call me back. <laughs> That was very convincing. That's, that's dumb. That was dumb. <laughs> I know I could have done better. I could have done better. Oh, Should we, we just call him until I get it right? <laughs> <laughs> he has nine voicemails when he right, gets off right. the phone. Oh, right. man. I think, I think that, that's probably that, a good place that to wrap it up. bombed. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up, Dan, unless you've got any other big summer updates. No, man. I'm just slowly getting jacked. I'm slowly getting jacked for October, the mule deer hunt, the Michigan hunt, and Iowa. Um, yeah, I've been baking those brownies, getting the brownie points. It's good. That's what you got to do this time of year. I'm right Absolutely. there with you. Although I'm, I've been getting in trouble for fishing too much, so I've, these these distractions sometimes are throwing <laughs> me off the game. But uh, but yeah, man. Let's uh, let's circle back up in a few weeks to talk uh, more about some of the parenting lessons we've we've gained over the last couple of years. Because since that one, I think when we recorded that one, was Knox born yet, or was he just about to be? I'm not sure. I think it depends on when it was launched or when we recorded it. But uh, I think it was just Mac and Ava. And if it was, he was too young to do anything with anyway. Yeah, so lots to learn since then. Three yeah. kids for you, two kids for me. And uh, maybe we'll call Furter back in for that one too. He's got a kiddo now, and he's got a thing or two maybe he's learned over the last few years. So, Absolutely. all right, buddy, good stuff. I can't wait to see what the trail camera poll shows you here soon. Keep uh, keep me posted. All right, man. Talk to you later. See ya. All right, and that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. This is a little change of pace. The last handful of weeks have been pretty serious strategy. Today was a little bit more of uh, just kicking back, laughing, telling some stories, and kind of getting you guys up to speed on how Dan and I are progressing towards the 2020 season. So hopefully you still enjoyed this one. We'll be back with some serious how-tos coming up soon. And until then, thank you so much for listening, and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved 
via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 